Welcome to Catholic Light. Join me, Becca Doherty, each week as we shed a little light while keeping the conversation light. Hi, and welcome back to Catholic Light. Today's episode is entitled, The Love Between Your Mom and Dad is You. We'll talk a little bit more today about the Trinity, our belief that God is one, yet three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, and how we, as man and woman, are made in his image and likeness. While God is above and beyond, God transcends gender. He is neither male nor female. He creates us in his image and likeness, and in doing so, he creates us male and female so that we too can become a communion of persons. We too can give and receive love as the members of the Trinity do. On the second half of the episode, then, we'll continue our reading of the Catechism, and today we'll read paragraphs 249 through 278. So we begin today with a quote from paragraph 250, which reads, During the first centuries, the Church sought to clarify its Trinitarian faith, both to deepen its own understanding of the faith and to defend it against the errors that were deforming it. So that's bold language there. Um, The Church sought to clarify its, in this case, Trinitarian faith, but all dimensions of the faith, both for ourselves to deepen our own understanding and for others to defend that truth against errors that might creep in so that the truth could be handed on without error faithfully year after year after year, century after century, millennia after millennia. So we continue to do that today. We continue to take that deposit of faith that divine revelation, this beautiful Christmas gift that God has entrusted to us, and we continue to open it, unwrap it, unpack it, take out the pieces, turn them over in our hands, and with the help of theologians, scholars, um, wonderful preaching of, of teachers and priests and mystics, saints, theologians of the church, we come to understand and clarify more deeply, or sorry, clarify and understand more deeply um, what it is that God has revealed to us. We continue on to paragraph 257, which reads, God is eternal blessedness, or happiness, undying life, unfading light. God is love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God freely wills to communicate the glory of his blessed life. Don't say that last part again. God freely wills to communicate the glory of his blessed life. Again, God could have kept it all to himself, that beautiful, glorious blessedness, but he chose to share it with all of us. In fact, it was too good not to share, and so he shares the divine life with each and every one of us. Imagine I'm a visual learner, so I try to picture Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, these three members of the Trinity in relationship with one another. Imagine that for all of eternity, because God has no beginning, For all of eternity, the Father has been pouring out his love upon the Son. The Son has been receiving that love and giving it back to the Father. So for all of eternity, from the beginning of time, before time existed, uh, Father and Son have been giving and receiving love, giving and receiving love, giving and receiving love. And that love between them is so rich, so beautiful, so deep, so dynamic, that we can actually point to the love between them and call it by its own name, the Holy Spirit. God then creates us in his image and likeness, so creates us to be like him and to show forth a little bit of what he is like, 
so that we can look around at creation and and have some understanding of, of what this triune God is like. And in creating us in his, his image and likeness, he makes us male and female so that we too can give and receive love, give and receive love, give and receive love. So much so that, that that love is often so rich, so dynamic, so beautiful, so profound that we can point to the love between a man and a woman and call it by its own name. Sophia, Declan, Peter. My mom and dad loved each other, made in the image and likeness of God, such that their love has a name, Rebecca, and their love will live forever. So God willing, please God, I will go to heaven for all of eternity. But even if, God forbid, I go to hell for all of eternity, my soul will never die. So I, the fruit of my parents' love, will literally live forever. Literally, their love will never die which puts a whole new spin on love songs. Okay, I think of, I used to watch Singing in the Rain growing up, um, where two of the main characters sang or said, our love will last till the stars turn cold. Or you think of, uh, you know, is this burning an eternal flame? Okay, these love songs hint at, this beautiful, profound reality that love lives forever. Because we are made in the image and likeness of God, because we are made to be like God and to show forth some of what what God is like, we too can enter into this communion of persons and give and receive love in such a way that that love lives forever. I would say to my students, your parents, made in the image and likeness of God, loved each other so much that the love between them has a name and is seated before me. And when you're saying this to 14 and 15-year-olds, usually the reaction was like, ew. No one wants to think of their parents having sex, but considered theologically, it's profoundly beautiful. Okay, we are made in the image and likeness of God. We reveal a little bit of what God is like and of what he does. Again, God transcends gender. He is neither male nor female, but he creates us in his image as male and female to help us understand how he is one God, yet three persons in a relationship of giving and receiving love. So God is not just the Father. God is not just the Son. God is not just the Holy Spirit. He's three distinct persons in one God, giving and receiving love. Who God is, is literally a relationship of persons loving one another. We often hear scripture quoted as saying, God is love. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes images of of felt banners and colorful classroom posters might arise in my mind, um, sometimes with a bit of a cheesy or simplistic overtone. But this is one of those basics of the Catholic faith that is infinitely profound and is worth revisiting over and over and over again. God is love. Who God is, the very person of God, is a relationship of three persons loving each other, giving and receiving love, giving and receiving love, giving and receiving love. And we are made in that God's image and likeness such that we can become a communion of persons and experience, as the Catechism again says in paragraph 257, the glory of his blessed life. So this communion of persons is found not only in marriage and family life, but in any community of truth, goodness, and beauty, where love is given and received and made fruitful, 
whether it's in friendship, a religious community, a school, and the fruits are not children but virtue, holiness, perhaps evangelical works or a, a certain mission. And each of these communions of persons are meant to draw us into deeper communion with the Holy Trinity, the source of all communion. Paragraph 259 says, hence the whole Christian life is a communion with each of the divine persons without in any way separating them. And the ultimate end of the whole divine economy is the entry of God's creatures into the perfect unity of the blessed Trinity, says paragraph 260. I had a student say one time, you know, there's just one teaching of the Catholic faith that I don't completely understand, and that's the Trinity. I said, girlfriend, you're in good company, okay? Saints, popes, bishops, mystics, theologians, catechists, the religion teacher standing before you all find this concept quite mysterious because it's the central mystery of our faith. So it's the mystery of mysteries. Paragraph 261 says, the mystery of the most holy trinity is the central mystery of the Christian faith and of Christian life. God alone can make it known to us by revealing himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's mysterious, but we can know about it as God reveals it to us. So oftentimes we think of mystery as just kind of closing our eyes and, and feeling our way through the fog, but it's, it's mysterious in the sense that it's this infinitely beautiful and rich and profound truth that needs eternity to be unpacked. Okay, even when we're, God willing, standing before the, the beatific vision, standing before the, the Holy Trinity for all of eternity, we will spend eternity delighting in, contemplating, and further understanding how God is one, yet three persons. So God gives us intellects to know, wills to choose, souls to pray. So thanks to these beautiful human capacities, and thanks to God being a God of revelation, we can come to know him and love him, these three persons and one God. Now that we've used our intellects to study the Trinity a bit, um, let's use our wills to decide to set aside, let's say, five to ten minutes this week to prayerfully consider who God is and what he is about. So, Lord, please reveal to each of us a little bit more of who you are, this one God three persons, three persons in one God. And you, a communion of persons giving and receiving love, you who created me in your image and likeness and want me to give and receive love as well with others so as to enter more fully into giving and receiving love with you, help me to understand that a bit more this, this week. Open my mind, open my heart um, to contemplate that further, more deeply. So I invite you to pick a day and a time this week. Let's say a day, a time, and a place. So my favorite place to, to pray is early in the morning before the rest of the family's up. We have this little breakfast nook uh, off the kitchen. I'll make my cup of coffee, kind of curl up with a blanket, and, and spend some time praying before uh, my husband and kids are awake. So pick a day, a time, and a place. And no matter what, what happens this week, remain faithful to that commitment and spend five to ten minutes asking God to reveal himself more to you, to help you understand the Trinity a bit more. So, Lord, how are you a communion of persons, giving and receiving love? And then lastly, invite him to show you more deeply and clearly 
how you have been created in his image and likeness. And then may you know how deeply and richly and infinitely you are loved by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I went to confession at the beginning of Holy Week, and after confessing you know, some, some heavy-hitting sins like pride and envy and resentment, Father first put me in my place. He very charitably said, like, yep, those are sins, and I'm so glad you came, came to confession with them. I'm so glad that you repented of them. But then he said so beautifully and lovingly, he said, recall John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He said, it sounds a little, a little cheesy, but replace the world with your name and, and really prayerfully consider how, how true that is. For God so loved Becca that he sent his only begotten son. And so I invite you to, to do that this week as well. Okay, read John chapter 3, verse 16, and replace your name where scripture writes the world. For God so loved Dan that he sent his only son. For God so loved Teresa that he sent his only son. For God so loved Jimmy that he sent his only son. For God so loved Margie that he sent his only son. While this is interesting material to study, the point is to know that you are loved and that God is drawing you more deeply into relationship with him and all of the truth and beauty and goodness that he has ready and waiting for you. The more that we engage with that truth, beauty, and goodness, the happier we will be, and the more we'll enjoy that quote-unquote glory of his blessed life. So we'll take a brief break, and then in the second half of the episode, we'll read paragraphs 249 through 278. Thanks so much. You are listening to Catholic Light. Thank you for joining me each week as we read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and discuss some of its beautiful teachings. Hi, and welcome back. We'll now continue our reading of the Catechism and read paragraphs 249 through 278. The Holy Trinity in the Teaching of the Faith, the Formation of the Trinitarian Dogma. From the beginning, the revealed truth of the Holy Trinity has been at the very root of the Church's living faith, principally by means of baptism. It finds its expression in the rule of baptismal faith, formulated in the preaching, catechesis, and prayer of the Church. Such formulations are already found in the apostolic writings, such as the salutation taken up in the Eucharistic liturgy, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. During the first centuries, the Church sought to clarify its Trinitarian faith, both to deepen its own understanding of the faith and to defend it against the errors that were deforming it. This clarification was the work of the early councils, aided by the theological work of the Church Fathers and sustained by the Christian people's sense of the faith. In order to articulate the dogma of the Trinity, The Church had to develop its own terminology with the help of certain notions of philosophical origin, substance, person, or hypostasis, relation, and so on. In doing this, she did not submit the faith to human wisdom, but gave a new and unprecedented meaning to these terms, which from then on would be used to signify an ineffable mystery, infinitely beyond all that we can humanly understand. The Church uses, first, the term substance, rendered also at times by essence or nature, 
to designate the divine being in its unity. Secondly, the term person or hypostasis to designate the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the real distinction among them. And third, the term relation to designate the fact that their distinction lies in the relationship of each to the others. The dogma of the Holy Trinity. The Trinity is one. We do not confess three gods, but one God in three persons, the consubstantial Trinity. The divine persons do not share the one divinity among themselves, but each of them is God whole and entire. The Father is that which the Son is, the Son that which the Father is, the Father and the Son that which the Holy Spirit is, for example, by nature one God. In the words of the Fourth Lateran Council of 1215, each of the persons is that supreme reality, in other words, the divine substance, essence, or nature. The divine persons are really distinct from one another. God is one, but not solitary. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are not simply names designating modalities of the divine being, for they are really distinct from one another. He is not the Father who is the Son, nor is the Son he who is the Father, nor is the Holy Spirit he who is the Father or the Son. They are distinct from one another in their relations of origin. It is the Father who generates, the Son who is begotten, and the Holy Spirit who proceeds. The divine unity is triune. The divine persons are relative to one another. Because it does not divide the divine unity, the real distinction of the persons from one another resides solely in the relationships which relate to them, relate them to one another. In the rela relational names of the persons, the Father is related to the Son, the Son to the Father, and the Holy Spirit to both. While they are called three persons in view of their relations, we believe in one nature or substance. Indeed, everything in them is one where there is no opposition of relationship. Because of that unity, the Father is holy in the Son and holy in the Holy Spirit. The Son is holy in the Father and holy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is holy in the Father and holy in the Son. St. Gregory of Nazianzus, also called the Theologian, entrusts the summary of Trinitarian faith to the catechumens of Constantinople. Above all, guard for me this great deposit of faith for which I live and fight, which I want to take with me as a companion, and which makes me bear all evils and despise all pleasures. I mean the profession of faith in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I entrust it to you today. By it, I am soon going to plunge you into water and raise you up from it. I give it to you as the companion and patron of your whole life. I give you but one divinity and power, existing one in three and containing the three in a distinct way. Divinity without disparity of substance or nature, without superior degree that raises up or inferior degree that casts down. The infinite co-naturality of three infinities. Each person considered in himself is entirely God. The three considered together. I have not even begun to think of unity when the Trinity bathes me in its splendor. I have not even begun to think of the Trinity when unity grasps me. The Divine Works and the Trinitarian Missions O blessed light, O Trinity and first unity, God is eternal blessedness, undying life, unfading light. God is love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God freely wills to communicate the glory of his blessed life. Such is the plan of his loving kindness, conceived by the Father before the foundation of the world, in his beloved Son. He destined us in love to be his sons, and to be conformed to the image of his Son, through the spirit of sonship. 
This plan is a grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, stemming immediately from Trinitarian love. It unfolds in the work of creation, the whole history of salvation after the fall, and the missions of the Son and the Spirit, which are continued in the mission of the Church. The whole divine economy is the common work of the three divine persons. For as the Trinity has only one and the same nature, so too does it have only one and the same operation. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not three principles of creation, but one principle. However, each divine person performs the common work according to his unique personal property. Thus the Church confesses, following the New Testament, one God and Father from whom all things are, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things are, and one Holy Spirit in whom all things are. It is above all the divine mission of the Son's incarnation and the gift of the Holy Spirit that show forth the properties of the divine persons. Being a work at once common and personal, the whole divine economy makes known both what is proper to the divine persons and their one divine nature. Hence, the whole Christian life is a communion with each of the divine persons without in any way separating them. Everyone who glorifies the Father does so through the Son in the Holy Spirit. Everyone who follows Christ does so because the Father draws him and the Spirit moves him. The ultimate end of the whole divine economy is the entry of God's creatures into the perfect unity of the Blessed Trinity. But even now we are called to be a dwelling for the Most High Trinity. If a man loves me, says the Lord, he will keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. O my God, Trinity whom I adore, Help me forget myself entirely so to establish myself in you, unmovable and peaceful as if my soul were already in eternity. May nothing be able to trouble my peace or make me leave you, O my unchanging God, but may each minute bring me more deeply into your mystery. Grant my soul peace. Make it your heaven, your beloved dwelling, and the place of your rest. May I never abandon you there, but may I be there, whole and entire, completely vigilant in my faith, entirely adoring, and wholly given over to your creative action. In brief, the mystery of the Holy Trinity is the central mystery of the Christian faith and of Christian life. God alone can make it known to us by revealing himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The incarnation of God's Son reveals that God is the Eternal Father and that the Son is consubstantial with the Father, which means that in the Father and with the Father, the Son is one and the same God. The mission of the Holy Spirit, sent by the Father in the name of the Son, and by the Son, from the Father, reveals that with them, the Spirit is one and the same God. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified, says the Nicene Creed. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father as the first principle, and by the eternal gift of this to the Son, from the communion of both the Father and the Son. By the grace of baptism, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we are called to share in the life of the Blessed Trinity, here on earth in the obscurity of faith and after death in eternal light. Now this is the Catholic faith. We worship one God in the Trinity and the Trinity in unity, without either confusing the persons or dividing the substance. For the person of the Father is one, the Son's is another, the Holy Spirit's another, but the Godhead of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. Inseparable in what they are, the divine persons are also inseparable in what they do. But within the single divine operation, each shows forth what is proper to him in the Trinity, 
especially in the divine missions of the Son's incarnation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paragraph 3, The Almighty. Of all the divine attributes, only God's omnipotence is named in the creed. To confess this power has been has great bearing on our lives. We believe that this might is universal. For God who created everything also rules everything and can do everything. God's power is loving, for he is our God and mysterious, for only faith can discern it when it is made perfect in weakness. He does whatever he pleases. The Holy Scripture has repeatedly confessed the universal power of God. He is called the Mighty One of Jacob, the Lord of hosts, the Strong and Mighty One. If God is almighty in heaven and on earth, it is because he made them. Nothing is impossible with God, who disposes his works according to his will. He is the Lord of the universe, whose order he established and which remains wholly subject to him and at his disposal. He is master of history, governing hearts and events in keeping with his will. It is always in your power to show great strength, and who can withstand the strength of your arm? You are merciful to all, for you can do all things. God is the Father Almighty, whose fatherhood and power shed light on one another. God reveals his fatherly omnipotence by the way he takes care of our needs, by the filial adoption that he gives us. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Finally, by his infinite mercy, for he displays his power at its height by freely forgiving sins. God's almighty power is in no way arbitrary. In God, power, essence, will, intellect, wisdom, and justice are all identical. Nothing, therefore, can be in God's power which could not be in his just will or his wise intellect. The Mystery of God's Apparent Powerlessness Faith in God the Father Almighty can be put to the test by the experience of evil and suffering. God can sometimes seem to be absent and incapable of stopping evil. But in the most mysterious way, God the Father has revealed his almighty power in the voluntary humiliation and resurrection of his Son, by which he conquered evil. Christ crucified is thus the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. It is in Christ's resurrection and exaltation that the Father has shown forth the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe. Only faith can embrace the mysterious ways of God's almighty power. This faith glories in its weaknesses in order to draw to itself Christ's power. The Virgin Mary is the supreme model of this faith, for she believed that nothing will be impossible with God and was able to magnify the Lord. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Nothing is more apt to confirm our faith and hope than holding it fixed in our minds that nothing is impossible with God. Once our reason has grasped the idea of God's almighty power, it will easily and without any hesitation admit everything that the creed will afterwards propose for us to believe, even if they be great and marvelous things, far above the ordinary laws of nature. In brief, with Job, the just man, we confess, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Faithful to the witness of Scripture, the Church often addresses its prayer to the Almighty and Eternal God, believing firmly that nothing will be impossible with God. God shows forth His Almighty power by converting us from our sins and restoring us to His friendship by grace. God, you show your Almighty power above all in your mercy and forgiveness. If we do not believe that God's love is Almighty, how can we believe that the Father could create us, the Son redeem us, and the Holy Spirit sanctify us? 
That brings us to the end of our reading selection for today, the end of our episode. Thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, God bless you. Thanks for joining me this week on Catholic Light. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family and your friends. And connect with me through Facebook and Instagram. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, God bless you.